There's a tearful scene in the book of Acts that Luke describes when Paul is on his way back to Jerusalem and he is uh, got his sights set on something and along the way the Ephesian elders went to meet with him so they meet in Miletus and Luke describes a scene where they share together and have fellowship together and it's a powerful scene that uh, was, well Luke says there's tears and they're they're sad to hear the words that Paul says to them about him leaving and all those kinds of things. And I want to be very careful because I know this is nowhere close to that. So please don't misunderstand me. But there's a sense uh, this morning for me, as you're probably well aware, there's a sense that uh, about a year ago we began to talk about, well, a little over, about a year and a half ago as elders we talked about it. About a year ago we began to talk as a church. About a six months ago we set some dates. And all of those things were far down the road still, Right. We make plans, and we, we know it's coming way down there, and we're not too worried about it yet. And suddenly, time has snuck up on us, it seems, and here we are. And as Niall mentioned, this is our last Sunday here with you all. And Niall, you said you're not sure how I'm doing, but uh, I'm guessing most of you can probably guess, since I tend to be kind of an emotional mess sometimes. That, um, you know, that time sneaks up, and suddenly here it is, and I think... Man, this is going to be harder than I thought. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm terribly excited and looking forward to a time of sabbatical. But it's going to be hard. So I want to share this morning. I wasn't sure, to be honest, I wasn't sure till this Monday morning when I sat down at my desk and asked the Lord what what I should talk about. I had been thinking about this for months to come, actually, because I knew that, or I was pretty sure that our study of Thessalonians was going to end, and I knew I was going to have this Sunday still, and I was fairly certain that long before today, I would have known, or long before this week, I would have known what I am to say to you this morning, or what verse I'm to speak from, or verses I'm to speak from, and and to be honest, I had no idea. In fact, it was beginning to bug me a little bit because usually it doesn't work this way. Usually I, I have things brewing in my head long before they ever come out to all of you. And uh, I sat at my desk and the Lord took my mind to James 1.17. And so this morning I'd like to just spend a morning talking about James 1.17 and just spend the morning talking about things that I'm grateful for, the gifts that God has given, that I see that God has given. And they're not going to be unique to me. They're going to be for many of you as well. We have one verse, which is a little different uh, than sometimes, so I don't do a lot of verses usually, but one verse is going to be our text this morning. And if you have your handout, if you look, I like to do a handout on the back side of the bulletin. If you picked it up there, it's a place for you to take notes, and you'll notice that it's actually really empty. It only has the verse that we're going to cover this morning. That verse is, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. And my intention this morning as, you, as we walk through what I'm going to just share, some things that I'm grateful for, some things, some gifts that God has given that I am uh, grateful for this morning. Uh, my intention is that the blank sheet of paper there, if you don't want to write anything down, you don't have to. If you want to just listen, you can do that. You can always do that, of course. But if you would care to, I'm inviting you that as I'm sharing some things that I see I've identified as a good gift and a perfect gift that God has given, something I'm grateful for this morning, that you can be jotting down your own list if you'd like to. 
They may be some of the same things that I say. You may say, that's something I'm really grateful for, and I'm going to write it down. It may be something completely different, that as I'm talking, and you're thinking through what I'm, what I'm saying, and the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, that you, can, uh, you may think, this is something I'm grateful for. So you can leave, home with your, uh, leave today here for home with your own list that comes out of the bull, or that's written down in the bulletin, or you can have a mental list, or you can just be listening to my list that I jotted down here in the margin of my Bible. Every good gift, James says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. If there's something good in your life, if there's a gift you've received, if there's something that has come to you that you are aware of that is a gift you did not deserve, was not something that you expected to be coming to you, every good gift and every perfect gift comes to you from above. It comes to you from God. It comes from the Father of lights, James says. And he's speaking of the Father of lights. That's why he ends the phrasing the way he does, with whom there is no variation there is no shadow due to change. There's no shifting in God. The light is not shifting. The light is not ever covered up. There's no time when there's shade coming. As he's thinking, perhaps, as in my picture, the sun comes up. Well, guess what? The sun goes back down. And when the sun comes up, there's shadows. When the sun goes down, there's shadows. When there's clouds that cover up, there's shadows that are cast. And sometimes you're caught in that moment where you're in a cloud, but you can see over there the sun is shining, right? But he says God is not like that. Every good gift and every perfect gift comes to us from the Father above. He is the Father of light. God is light in Him. Light dwells perfectly. There's no darkness at all. There's no shifting. There's no change. There's no variation. There's no shadow. Let's jump in. Things that I'm grateful for, gifts that I want to recognize, and obviously you should understand, this is by not even close to an exhaustive list. This is nowhere close to something that you can say, well, we, we buttoned up every single thing that God has given us. That's a good gift. Some of these will be more specific. Some of these will be very broad in general. I want to begin here. If good gifts and perfect gifts come from God, then one of the things I'm most grateful for this morning as I begin to think about this is the fact that God himself is good and perfect. You don't get bad fruit from a good tree. You don't get good fruit from a bad tree. Scripture makes that clear, but that logic is clear to us. We understand that already. The Bible speaks of those things talking about us, but I want to flip that around because I know that if every good gift and every perfect gift comes from God, comes from above, then I know that God is good, that God is perfect. And I'm so grateful this morning for the goodness of God, the perfection of God, that God is so, even the language, notice where he starts from, it comes from above. It's above me. That means it's different than me. It's beyond me. It's greater than me. It's more perfect and better than me. It's more first. I know that's not grammatically correct, but it's more first than me. It's superior. That's what that means. It comes from above. Just a couple of chapters later, James uses the same kind of phrasing when he talks about wisdom. He says, the wisdom that comes from below is full of jealousy and selfish ambition. It doesn't come from above. It's earthly. It's unspiritual. It's demonic. In fact, he says, where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. But the wisdom from above, this is a good and perfect gift that God has given us. I didn't make my list, but it comes from God. The wisdom that's from above is first pure and peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. I'm so grateful this morning that God is good. That God is good. You realize, you understand, there are so many things in this world 
that don't fit that definition. There's so many things in this world, so many things in our life experience that is not good. You could go up and down the roads this morning and all of you could, could tell stories of pain and heartache and things that didn't work like that you wanted them to. Those aren't good. They don't feel good. They certainly aren't perfect. You understand this morning that when I'm declaring how good and perfect God is and how that he's above and is separated from our experience down below, the reason we have our experience down below is because of us. We are not good or perfect. If there's anything that should come out of my preaching that I want to come out of my preaching every time my mouth opens and I speak from the Word of God is to make a clear line of definition between who God is and between who I am and who we are. Because He is so far superior to us. And the moment we lose sight of that is the moment we walk down the same path of pride and arrogance that all the rest of humanity walks down as inherited from our forefather Adam. I'm so grateful that God is good. Because from a good and perfect God come good and perfect gifts, which I'm about to continue walking down. I'm reminded as I think of this verse, just, just staying here in this verse here, I spoke of this, I referred to it a bit anyway. I'm so grateful this morning that God is faithful, that he does not change. Have you ever paused for a moment in your life? Have you ever stopped and just sort of shut things off, everything else all the other distractions or thoughts you're having. Have you ever paused for a moment and contemplated what your life would be like if God was not faithful? If God changed? If God changed his mind? If God did things one way one time, but a completely different way some other time? If God said, well, this is the way, and they said, never mind, scratch that, this is now the way. But have you ever stopped for a moment as you allow your line of thinking to go down that way to stop and think what would happen have happened to you if God would not be faithful just in relation to your own choices and your own life pattern? I'm so glad God is faithful because you have to know this about me. I am not. I'm not. I've had great moments of growth in the Lord. I've had great times where I can look and see, man, God is working so powerfully in me, and I love it, and this is great, and I'm this great trajectory, and I have had times in my life and seasons in my life where it has been dry and difficult, and I've had to quite frankly look back and say, I think I slipped back during this, during this time. I've turned away from the Lord. I've not been as consumed with Him as I ought to have been. I've been distracted by something in my life or something I want to pursue I've allowed thoughts that ought not to be there. I've allowed actions that ought not to be there to persist in my life despite him warning me. I've, I've hardened my heart and stiffened my neck against his voice. I am so grateful that God is faithful. What a good and perfect gift he has given to me and to all of you because I know I can say this and now you ought to hear it from me. You need to hear it from me, but it's also true for all of you. It may sound like an overstatement. It may sound like a cheap statement. It may sound like a flippant statement that comes out. I don't mean it that way at all. I'd have been dead a long time ago if God treated me as I deserved. And I was dead in the sins and transgressions that I once walked. But thanks be to God. God is faithful. You know that saying that Paul told Timothy, right? 
If we endure, we'll reign with him. If we suffer, I, and it's not all going to come quite to me. But the end of that is, if we are faithless, he will remain faithful for he cannot deny himself. Everything I have, friends, I throw upon the fact that God is faithful and he will do what he has said. I have no other hope than that. You have no other hope than that. That God will do through Jesus what he has said he's done. I'm grateful for the good and perfect gift of a faithful God. He is to be magnified and praised. Can I tell you this morning, during Sunday school, there's a small group of us that meets in this room to pray. And I got to be honest with you, I, I'm, I'm glad to be here because I enjoy speaking and I enjoy preaching. But I got to be honest with you, I would have... I've been really happy to stay in that room this morning because God's presence was there as we worshiped him through prayer. And it's a sweet, sweet thing to be in the presence of a God who's faithful, who's good and perfect, and who's provided so wonderfully for us. I must move on for on the heels of the things I've said as I understand how desperately I needed God and his salvation that is the thing I want to be thankful for and be grateful for and recognize that every good and perfect gift, chief among those has to be Jesus Christ, that he gave to us, that he sent to us, down to this world, taking on our form, taking on our limitations, but never yielding to our temptations. Every good and perfect gift comes from him. Look what he says in the very next verse. Of his own will, God brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. He brought salvation to us. He gave us the understanding that, that Jesus came. He revealed Jesus to the world. And it was salvation not just for the Jews, but for the Gentiles only. Think of the words being used here. He is the gift that is from above. You know, these themes were picked up in reference to Jesus. When John opens his gospel, the gospel of John, he says this in John chapter 3, verse 31. He says, he who comes from above is above all. He's referring to Jesus. He who comes from above is above all. He who is of the earth belongs to the earth and speaks in an earthly way. But he who comes from heaven is above all. Referring to that Jesus who came down. And then, excuse me, let me just blow my nose. And then in the book of Romans, as, he, as Paul de defines so wonderfully the gospel that we have in the middle of sort of, well, it's not right in the middle of the book, but in the middle of his long treatise of a theological understanding of what God did through Jesus Christ, he says this in Romans chapter 5, verse 16, uh, verse 15. The free gift is not like the trespass, for if many died through one's man, one man's trespass, much more of the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. And he says again in verse 16, the free gift is not like the result of one man's sin. He's using that word gift. It's a free gift. Every good and perfect gift, every good gift, every perfect gift, make no mistake, friends, every good gift and every perfect gift that comes from above must always, first and foremost, in our minds and our hearts, refer to Jesus Christ. There are lots of other good and perfect gifts. I'm, I'm going to name some of them. But every good gift and every perfect gift that comes from above must always always, always come home, the first thing we think about is Jesus Christ. He is that good and perfect gift. And I'm so grateful for salvation this morning. I'm so grateful for the peace 
that passes understanding. I'm so grateful for the reality that I am made right with my Father, with God, the Creator, the one who's perfect and good, and I'm not, but I'm made right with Him, that I have a hope that I can go into the inner room with Him. I can spend time like I did this morning, and even much more beyond that, I know that someday I will be with Him, and with reality, my, my, my faith will become sight, and I'll spend time with my Creator doing what I was created to do, worshiping Him for all of time. Oh, I'm so grateful for salvation. It's... <laughs> Shame on us for allowing it to become such an elementary thing, such a basic thing that we seem like, well, we want to move past that and forget about that. <laughs> it's the very only thing that matters, friends. It's the very thing that changes everything for us. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I'm grateful this morning for the good and perfect gift of the word of truth of God's precious word. I read the verse to you already. I don't know if you noticed it. Verse 18, right around, we haven't even moved very far from this verse to get in all these gifts we're talking about. In verse 18, again, he says, of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be the kind of first fruits. How have you come to understand scripture? How have you come, to, I'm sorry, how have you come to understand salvation? How have you come to know that Jesus came? Almost without a doubt, because I'm, I know the audience I'm speaking to, almost without a doubt, every one of you have come to know that because of this. Because the word of God was made available to you. It was preserved for you. And this word of God is a more sure foundation than even all the miracles you could see. Peter says that. He says, you know, we saw Jesus. We saw him transformed. We saw that, that powerful thing. But he said, I'll tell you what's even more powerful than that. What gives you an even better foundation than that. It's the word of the prophet that God spoke to the prophets that you see confirmed. And that's the word that's recorded here. The record given to us that what God has said he will do. I'm grateful for the word of truth. When I was about 17 years old, when I was about 17 years old and God began to reveal to me the incredible amounts of arrogance and pride I carried in my life and the incredible ways that I was so sure of myself and he began to break me of those things, someone gave me a Bible and I began to read that Bible. Now we read before, so I'm gonna say that, that makes it sound kind of, but someone gave me a Bible in the New Living Translation. Maybe I'll just put it that way. And I began to read the Bible, and for the first time, I began to understand more than I ever had. And it had to do with the, what the Lord was doing. So I'm not, I'm making no statements about that. I'm only, I'm only supporting the, the, the reality, and I'm so grateful for the word of truth, because I read that Bible cover to cover. And in it, God became alive to me. And what he did through Jesus Christ became a reality to me. And when he told me, Merlin, you will not get to heaven because of your parents' faith. You must choose Jesus for yourself. And I understood who Jesus was and I said, yes, that's what I want. I'm so grateful for the word of truth that continues to shape my life. I continue to be astounded. Listen, I've taught this word for 17 years. And I still sit at my desk week after week and read words that I've read hundreds of times before. I'm just coming to the end of reading through the Bible in 90 days. I'll get there in about four more Four more readings, four more days. 90 days, that's a ton of reading, and I've read it all before, and I still sit at my desk week after week, and God blows me away with the treasures that are found in the word of truth that I have not yet understood. It's my great privilege to share them with you week after week. I don't know what's going to happen when I can't do that for about 13 weeks.
so grateful for the good and perfect gift of God's Word. I'm grateful this morning. If you pay any attention to the context of the verse I've been sharing, which I haven't done so far, which is not a really good preacher of me, but I will do so now. If you pay attention to the context of where this verse is found, I must confess to you this morning that I'm grateful for trials of various kinds. You see, that's the context of the verse. He begins in James chapter 1, verse 2, with saying, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. He begins to unfold that to us about why that's true. He begins to help us see that we should remain steadfast under those trials in verse 12. He also begins to make a distinction for, he says, when those trials come, when you are sorely tempted to give up or to walk away or to say, this isn't worth it, or this is too painful, or I didn't know I had to give that up, or I don't like saying no to myself. I want to do what I want to do. I want to get what I want to get. When you begin to tempted to think that this isn't fair what God is doing, he says, listen, you should not be deceived. God doesn't tempt us ever. Those temptations come from things that are inside of us. There's desires that we have, and that's why he says, don't be deceived, because you should know that every good gift and every perfect gift comes down from above, from the Father of lights, with whom there's no shadow of variation. So we must say, I must say, as difficult as it is, as much as I don't do this in the middle of it so many times, I hope you understand this, I'm not, (laughs) I'm so far from perfect. It almost always takes me looking back to say, I'm so grateful for the gift of trials, God, that shape me and tear things out of me that I didn't know were there, but reveal my sinfulness and my selfishness. Soon after Heidi and I were married, and we came home from Germany, and we were pretty sure, I was pretty sure, I don't want to speak for her, I was pretty sure that we were being called into missions, and we told God that as soon as he says go, we're going to leave. All you got to do is we're going to leave. We told Glenn and Elsie, who are pastors. We told our parents. And for three years, God said nothing. He didn't say anything. He didn't say no. He didn't say yes. And it was hard. It was the same three years that we were trying to have children, and we couldn't. And it was hard. And we began to wonder, did God, did God care? Rachel, thanks for sharing this morning. I have my own stories, and I, maybe I should tell you the story I was thinking of while you were sharing yours. At the end of those three years of difficulty, of wondering whether God cares and just like being astounded that here are people ready to go in the mission field and God isn't letting them. And God called me to ministry here in this church. And you know, in an instant, God laid bare my heart. We were fasting and praying. We're actually in Florida. We were fasting and praying before we were taking the voice of the church about who to add in the leadership team. I don't know how many of you know this story. Some of you have probably heard it already. We were fasting and praying, and I was surrendering to the Lord and telling him that I'm okay with whatever he wants to do. But inside my heart, I was like, God, I, I said I wanted to go to Germany. And God asked me, Merlin, why are you willing to go to Germany for me but not White Pigeon? And I knew in an instant that in my heart I had this vain 
vain, arrogant pride that said, well, when you go into missions overseas, you're somebody. But going to these people who are, I don't know, just a bunch of people wasting their lives, nobody cares about that. And I was so wrong. Oh, I was, please understand, this is not a story that makes me look good. I was so wrong. And I beg God to forgive me. I'm grateful for trials that led me to the place where I understood my selfishness. Things come along that test us. In 2018, when Joe's wife Lisa passed away, it took about eight months for this to really, for me to realize what was happening, I guess. But I struggled. It might sound might sound strongly worded to say I had a crisis of faith because I was preaching. I was leading a church. Good things were happening in some places and good things were happening here among us. God was so precious to us. His spirit, his presence was so precious to us during that time. That was a trial for our whole church. But I was floundering inside. In February the next year, we were in a time of worship and prayer, actually, it was at pastor's conference. And they had, a, they had a time of response, and I went forward because I knew something's got to change, or I'm, I'm like, I'm going to be in big trouble. And I was crying out to the Lord, and before I even knew it, before I was aware of what was going on, I was saying this out loud, and I was crying out to God, God, I want to trust you again. I want to trust you again. And I realized at that moment that I saw that God had the ability to take my wife away and I was not okay with that. I said, God, I, I, I won't survive if you take my wife. How's that work, Joe? God is so faithful, isn't he? And he's so good. You have a wonderful wife sitting here with you. And I had to realize that no matter what happens, God knows and his way is best. And I can trust him for he's faithful and he's good. And that was my heart's cry deep inside of me that I didn't even know was there because it's what God has placed in all of us. God, I want to trust you. I want to throw everything on you for there's no better way. There's no place of more peace. Are you thankful for the trials that God puts in your life? They're no fun. They're no fun. I don't want to do those things again. But God opens my eyes to the things that are not right inside of here. And I look back and I say, thank you, God. Thank you. Most of you know that last year, last calendar year, was probably the most difficult year of ministry that I've ever had. <laughs> Several major things happened that made it so clear to me that as omnipotent and powerful as God is, I am impotent. I have no power to change these things. I'm so frail and weak. I think I have it all figured out. I think I have all this stuff. I've done this for so many years. 
and I know so little. This is probably not the message you expect when I talk about all the good things that God has done. Friends, you have to know that is so good for me. It is so good for me to be sat down and realize that, Merlin, you are not the answer Jesus is. Merlin, you can't do anything unless God is moving. And I looked at him and said, I need you so badly because I make a mess of things. That's a good thing. I'm crying and it's like sad, but it's a good thing. It's a good thing because it's true. And it puts me in the right place to where I lean on him and I say, God, <laughs> this is about you. This is your story. This is your kingdom. This is your glory. May God be praised. Friends, I'm so grateful for the gift of ministry. I'm so grateful for the gift of ministry, of being able to be a tool in God's hand to be used to his glory. I hope you've experienced this. I'm trusting most of you have. If you haven't, you should treat this like the treasure. This is not, this is a little bit, I should be careful with this because this is referring to the gospel. But if you have not been used by God to be a tool in his hand, to have his kingdom and his spirit work through you in someone else's life, you should treat it like the man who found a treasure in his field and you sell everything you have to find that. Because there's no better place for you to be at than to be a tool in God's hand. A jar of clay for sure to show that the surpassing glory comes from God and not from us. Surpassing power, I think I said the wrong word. I'm so grateful for ministry. I'll never forget when I became a pastor and I began to preach week after week. And this may sound strange to your ears. I hope, I hope it doesn't sound too strange. And you, I want you to know up front that you have something. This may not be the same thing, but you have something in your life that will do the exact same thing. But I remember when I started preaching week after week after week and I began to realize how much I love preaching and how much I love being used by the Lord and how, what it feels like to have God, like His Spirit, rest in you and to use you and I began to realize this was what I was created to do and I loved it and I, I remember I remember this I'm serious like I remember looking around at people and thinking I wonder if they found yet what what makes them feel like I do because I hope they do it meant it made me feel sad sometimes because I would have conversations with people and it was clear that they were not happy they were they were, they were just fumbling around doing this and this and I'm, oh if you could find the thing that lights you up when God uses you like I have because it's the best thing in the world. And that hasn't changed, brothers and sisters. I was just having a conversation this past weekend at a family get-together. And I was talking to one of my younger, be a cousin's uh, son. And he didn't realize he, uh, what I did before as a pastor. We talked, I was in the tech field. And I did all kinds of stuff. And I loved it. And I loved it. And I had, I had thoughts when I first came into the ministry thinking that, that perhaps... Uh, I'm going to miss that, or maybe, maybe someday we'll have to, I, I, I just didn't know. I thought, well, I'm going to miss these things. And I can tell you, I haven't, when I was speaking to him, I realized, like, I don't miss, I still don't miss it, not a bit. I wouldn't go back. I'm so grateful for the gift of ministry. That God somehow in his infinite wisdom, who can do anything he wants to, right? He can speak and things just show up. And somehow he looks at us, his redeemed creatures, and he says, I'd like to use you. 
I'd like to use you to bless other people. I'd like to use you to strengthen them and encourage them. I'd like to use you to correct them and, and help them see a different way. I'd like to use you to come alongside of them. I'd like to use you to, to speak for me. I'd like to use you. What a gift ministry is. As I say that, I'm really, really grateful for the gift of rest. I'm really grateful that such a thing as rest exists. I'm really grateful that God worked for six days and on the seventh day he rested. He demonstrated how important rest is. Now I want to be clear and I want to be careful that that first and foremost is a picture that depicts our resting from our labors to save ourselves so we rest in Jesus Christ. Okay? So don't get me wrong. That's what that's for. The picture of God's creation in the first week is a picture of us so that we will see when Jesus has been on the scene, we will see that we rest in Jesus Christ. We rest from our labors. There's a rest we can enter into. It's Jesus. We rest from our work to save ourselves because Jesus has done for us what we could never do. But I'm grateful that God built the rhythm of rest into our lives, and I'm grateful that I'm getting an opportunity for that. I've said this to a few of you over the last several weeks for sure. I don't think I realized how... Desperately, I needed rest until we have this, this sabbatical planned, and it sort of actually gelled and finalized, and I began to realize. And over the last several weeks, even more, as I began to, begin to hand some of my duties off and begin to uh, think, really, this is really going to happen now, I, I, it, it's, it's been almost overwhelming to realize, like, how tired I actually am. I need rest. I also think that's a good thing for me to realize that and for you to realize that because that just reminds me I can't do everything. I shouldn't do everything. I'm not called to do everything. I'm grateful for the gift of rest. I'm grateful that when we pull back and when we give God a chance and we focus on him and we say, I'm here just to enjoy you for a while, God. I'm grateful that he doesn't turn away and say, no, I want you to get to work. Come on produce more. But he says, come, my child. You've chosen the better route now. Come and rest. Jesus, our great shepherd of the sheep, the leader and captain of our salvation, said those words to us, right? Come to me if you worry and burden, and I will give you rest. I'm grateful for an opportunity to, to pursue that, to make that a reality in our lives. Which reminds me then, it leads me to the good and perfect gift. The good and perfect gift of you all, the body of Christ. I wouldn't get this opportunity if it wouldn't be for you. And all of you could have looked at me and said, no way. That's crazy. Why should you get three months off? I don't think any of you get three months off. I mean, you can if you want to, but. Please hear me. Thank you. Thank you for this gift that you're giving my family and I. Just like all the other gifts that I'm talking about so far, this is also the gift that I don't deserve. Thank you. 
body of Christ is so wonderful and has shown to be so wonderful. No doubt there's stresses. No doubt we have relational issues. No doubt there's times I get frustrated. No, time, no doubt there's times you get frustrated with me. No doubt there's things that, that don't go according to plan. No doubt things fall apart. No doubt there's all kinds of ways that, that sin and temptation and division find their way in the midst of the body of Christ. But the body of Christ is beautiful. It's God's plan for revealing his salvation through, of Jesus, through Jesus Christ to the world. And I am so grateful for the body of Christ. I'm so grateful that when I leave, I say this with every, every bit of sincerity I can muster to you. I'm so grateful that I can with confidence step away for three months and know that the body of Christ and the worship and, and, the, and the growth of the church is going to continue while I'm gone. We have faithful and capable leaders, and we have faithful and capable people who are not known leaders, are not named leaders here, that will carry on the work of the body of Christ. And I'm so grateful for that. It's such a gift it's such a gift. You all bless each other. Several of the things that were said here this morning, thanking you for praying. That's the body of Christ. That's the beauty of the body working together and being a blessing and being the hands and feet of Jesus and encouraging and doing all the things of ministry I was talking about, each its own part. But that's what the body of Christ is like. And I'm so grateful for that. It is so good to see that happen. I don't know if you understand this, and it's true sometimes, I want to be careful, it's true sometimes that we, me, we can sometimes get a little territorial or a little like, well, it should be done this way. Or I've done this before, so I know how to do this. So I, I, I understand that and I, and I own that, that's true sometimes. But I don't know if you understand how it feels for me to watch you all do ministry. The week of Bible school, you know why I love it so much sometimes? I see all of you ministering and interacting with children and I'm like, this is so much fun. I remember when I came home from India a couple of years, several years ago, and I realized that one of the biggest things I enjoyed about that entire trip, which I loved, I love traveling, I love ministry, I'll do it again in a heartbeat if the Lord allows me to. But what I loved most about that trip was watching the rest of the group of people from our church as they prayed for people, as they rose up and they stepped into roles that they were uncomfortable with at times. And I thought, Lord, thank you. What a precious gift. I'm grateful for the body of Christ here at Riverview specifically. It is my joy, and I do this as often as I can. I really do. I'm not like trying to, I really do this as often as I can. It is my joy to always, 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 and I say this truthfully every time, and I love that I can say it truthfully. I can tell people as I have interactions with them around wherever we go, and to say, the church I pastor takes such good care of us. They love us, and they shower us with all kinds of good things. We are not in want or need at all. And I'm so grateful. What an amazing gift you are to us, church. Thank you. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there's no variation or shadow, change, due to change. I told you the first part of the story of those three years of silence, and those three years when we were trying to have children, and if you pay any attention at all, you know that God changed that story, right? I was going to say, none of them are sitting with us this morning, but my oldest daughter is sitting there. All the rest of you, my children are scattered through the church, but there's seven children God has blessed us with. And this morning, I want to just be clear that I'm so grateful for the gift of my family. A wife who loves me and supports me and has been faithful to me. And children who are such an incredible gift to me.
And I'm grateful for my family who is, quite frankly, quite often gets the short end of the stick, if you know what I mean by saying that. I don't say no very easily, so when people ask me to do things, I say yes. And the Lord has been trying to get me to see, and my wife has been trying to remind me that when I say yes to something, I'm always saying no to something else. And this morning, I think it's only fair to acknowledge to my family, to my children, to my wife, that often it's them. So I'm really grateful for the gift that I get to spend this next three months with my family and just being a dad to my children and a husband to my wife with nothing else coming in the middle. I probably can't even find all my kids sitting here. But I want them to know, and I want them to know it publicly in front of the church, that I love every one of them, and they're a gift to me. That God has blessed our family with you, and not just so, like, we can, like, tell you what to do, how to grow, but that you are part of the family God is putting together to be used for his glory and ministering. And I've seen it. I've watched it happen. A couple of months ago, we were having a Bible study with... uh, Levi and Amelia, and we were studying through, I think it was 2 Timothy, and my two oldest children sat in on that Bible study, maybe the three oldest did, I don't know if you were part of it, Silas, or not, two oldest did for sure, and I was blown away by some of the things they shared. We finished, and my daughter led in a prayer for the whole thing, and I was just like, God, this is such an amazing thing. I don't deserve these children. I don't deserve how good they are. I don't deserve how valuable they've become in our family, because I have... Lord knows I've lost my temper so many times. Lord knows I have made misjudgments and have done things incorrectly. Lord knows I haven't been the husband I always should be. I'm so grateful for the gift of my family. I'm so grateful to get to enjoy them for the next three months. Let me share one more. It may seem weird to say this. But in some strange way this morning, as we're here together, looking at a period of separation, I'm already grateful for the gift of being back together again for a homecoming. I eagerly anticipate coming back and spending time worshiping with you all again. And I'm grateful for that gift. I'm looking forward as much as I'm looking forward to the time and the break time away, being with my family, the wonderful things that I know God is going to reveal of his creation and of his people and using us even in those settings. I'm looking forward to that so much, but I'm also looking forward to coming back and being here with you all again. But I also want to be clear that there's a homecoming I'm even more grateful for than in about three months from now. Because you know the Lord has the right to do with our lives what he wants. At least that's what I've told him, and I hope you've told him the same thing. Which means, I don't know exactly what's going to happen. I can plan. I can say tomorrow or the next week or the next month we're going to go to here or do this. But I don't know what the Lord's going to do with me or with you. So I'm really grateful that I can take really, really, really strong faith and trust in the reality. There's a homecoming that's coming. And if we don't see each other here, we're going to see each other there. 
that Jesus will return, he will set all things right, and we will be with him for all of eternity. That's the homecoming I'm really grateful for. Just this morning, I was reading from the book of Hebrews, and I was reminded that those who are full of faith are looking for a city that is not here, a land that is not here. And we are pilgrims on our way, and we're looking for a city whose builder is God. That's the one I want to come home to with all of you. So the last good and perfect gift I want to reflect on this morning is the gift of homecoming, that we will all be together. Here, perhaps, and that will mean more fruitful ministry for all of us, or there, which will be even more glorious, even more precious. God, thank you so much. I confess this morning that every good gift and every perfect gift, all those things I've named and all the things I could have named but didn't and all the things that were going through all of our minds this morning, every good gift and every perfect gift comes from you, God, above, comes from you, the Father of lights, in which there is no variation or shadow due to change. You don't change. You're the same yesterday, today, and forever. Your word is sure. The flowers fade, the grass withers, but your word endures, remains And I'm so grateful that the word you've given to us declares that you loved us so much that you sent Jesus Christ to be the propitiation, to be the payment, to redeem us from our sins, to set us free from our slavery to sin and to death and set us free from ourselves so that we might be free to do what you created us to do, all kinds of good works to bring glory and honor to you and to spend eternity worshiping you. God, I'm grateful that your word is sure that this will be true, that those who call upon you, those who by faith believe in you and it's credited to us by righteousness when we believe in Jesus Christ and then our faith is shown to be sure by the things that we do. I'm grateful that your word is sure. Thank you, Father, for the gifts that you have given. Thank you for who you are, your grace, your goodness, your glory. I long to live for your glory and your glory alone. And I'm, I'm just, I, I can't even say that without having to confess and realize that there's times when I live for my glory. And I'm sorry about that. I repent of that. I turn away. I don't want that. I want you to be honored through me, through my life, through my family, through my ministry, through this church. Thank you, Father. Thank you for every good and perfect gift. We love you. We love you. We say that because you first loved us and demonstrated us, and we now want to return that love and say we love you by loving others, by loving you, by serving you, by serving others. May you be glorified in Jesus' precious, powerful, amazing, holy name. Amen.